0: Hey guys, welcome to episode 92 of The True Crime Couple. I'm Kay, and I'm John. So we just want to start off the show by thanking everyone who has reached out to us on social media or has left us an awesome review. Thank you so much for doing that. It helps more than you know, and we totally appreciate it. Absolutely. I know you're probably all tired of us saying <laughs> tired of us saying that, but we need to because we really do appreciate it and it helps the show beyond belief, even just spreading the word. So thank you, guys. Yes, thank you. (laughs) Also, if you're looking for bonus episodes of our show, you can join our Patreon page, where we also feature ad-free episodes. And we're starting our True Crime Current Event Series um, this month for $10 and up Patreons. And you can join our Patreon page by visiting patreon.com slash truecrimecouple. Those who donate $1 to $2 get one bonus episode a month. But those who are donating five and above do get two bonus episodes a month. So it's kind of like every week you do have a True Crime Couple episode. So we would appreciate any support you want to give us at that level. A dollar or 20, totally up to you. But we do appreciate all of our patrons.
1: Yes, we do. And well said. (laughs) You took the words right out of my mouth.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And um, our next Patreon episode for our um, all of our patrons is going to be up on Wednesday. We're not taking any breaks from doing all of this over no. the holiday season. <laughs> we're just ready to
1: go through this. Just go through <laughs> the days with you, and uh, that's what we're here for.
0: Sometimes we need help dealing with family over the holidays, and if we could bring you some murder, we would love to do that. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So the story I have for you all today is intense, but at the heart of it is a very troubled marriage. So already it starts off as many true crime cases do. However, this time the outcome is not what anyone could have predicted. And that's it, because I don't want to give anything else away.
1: Wow, that's a first. Yeah. No little uh, synopsis, nothing, huh?
0: Nope, just that. Whoa,
1: okay. All right. Police say the suspect, 31-year-old Jeffrey Dahmer, has confessed to the killings of 11 people
0: whose remains were found in his apartment. We are all evil in some form or another, are we not? Lock your doors, lock your windows. If you have the ability to provide additional security devices, then by all means do so. Denise and Ari Squire had a very secure life in the early 2000s. Denise worked as an adjunct professor at National Lewis University in Chicago, and her husband, Ari, had his own business, AcuCare Incorporated. He dealt primarily with Medicare and setting up at-home care for the elderly and outpatient treatment transportations. It was through Ari's business that they made most of their money, and that was a good thing because Ari had a bit of an expensive habit. He was really into diesel trucks and participated in the modifications of those trucks, and he also participated in, like, diesel truck shows where they did drag racing and, I guess, like, I don't know what they're called, but, like, load competitions, maybe? Like, who could carry a heavier load? So, it's
1: almost like a tractor pull. Yes. Yes. Okay. Right. Um.
0: So, that's what he was into, like, those shows. But that's something that's really expensive to do. So, it's good that he made a lot of money or else he wouldn't have been able to do that.
1: I mean, isn't that the... Uh, pretty much pretty much applies to just just about everybody, right? Like, yeah. if you don't make enough money, you can't, like, have a crazy hobby.
0: That is very true. You know? Or some people... Waste money that they should be using on their living situations on those expensive hobbies. And then that never works out well. Very true. So this, I cannot stress enough, is a very expensive hobby. I just want to keep saying that. Because it it totally is. Like, the amount of money that it costs to do the modifications to these trucks is astronomical. I have an idea. And even just the trucks alone are so expensive. Absolutely. So... You can imagine if something goes wrong with a modification, let alone just the truck itself was super expensive. So in order for Ari to be working on his truck, he is going to put a modification onto his home as well. And he builds a really large garage onto his beautiful home in Lake Barrington, Illinois. So he can work on his truck there. So this garage was big enough not only to house this huge diesel truck that was lifted but also enough room for his wife's car and like a workstation so it was basically a very large three-car garage that was built onto his house okay
1: i mean that's pretty cool though
0: yeah it is really cool i mean like if that's what you're into the fact that you could kind of just go into the next room your garage and like tinker with your toys i'm sure is it's what men love to do.
1: Yeah. I mean, you have a workstation. You have everything to do work. You have the room for it. I mean, it really doesn't get any better than that for people who have hobbies with cars or trucks.
0: Right. And and he really did work mo- mainly from home with AccuCare Incorporated because he was just kind of overseeing everything that was taking place with the Medicare treatments. So the couple were living in a gorgeous home and Ari had all the money that he wanted to spend on his trucks, and his life, and things were great. Well, that was until 2007, when some bad decisions are going to catch up with him. Ari had to plead guilty to Medicare fraud. Apparently, he had been caught filing about $2 million worth of false claims between 1998 and 2001.
1: Wow. Okay, so that's pretty bad. But you know what? I mean, I would I would think right now that that's probably like a federal crime, right? Yes. So that means that jail wouldn't be too bad if uh, he has to go.
0: So I, I like that that's what you were thinking.
1: Well, uh, <laughs> no, no, not at all. I mean, listen, I mean, I'm just saying that like, you know, I mean, if you're going to go to prison, you might as well go to a federal prison then. <laughs> not a federal prison
0: i I feel like federal prison would be a little bit easier i guess i'm
1: trying to see the silver lining in all this if i like your positivity right if something's gonna happen to him at this point i mean that's what you're gonna hope for or just you know plead not guilty and get off on it but uh yeah that never really happens too much
0: we've been watching girls incarcerated so the, the the doc system's on our mind yeah oh yeah such a good show Um, It's on Netflix, if you guys haven't been watching it. But it's super emotional. Every time John looks over, I'm crying.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's a very awkward uh, situation to be in because Kay probably cries over just about anything. Anything. A commercial, a song. Anything. I'm a crier. I just look over and I expect (laughs) there to be tears. And then it's just like, well, I need you to stop because I'm going to get upset about it. (laughs) You know, so (laughs) uh, anyway, but yes, I mean, that's pretty bad to do that. And and $2 million over two, three, no, how many years? Three years. So three years, $2 million, that's
0: a lot. Yeah, that's a lot of money. I'm going to explain the breakdown a little bit. All right. So from 1998 onward, Ari was acting as the president and chief executive officer of the company at the time. Some of these false claims involved salary expenses of a consultant who never existed. Excessive owner compensation that was paid directly to Ari himself, overcharges from a company that was owned by Ari's father and father and father-in-law. So like he was funneling money through different companies, Um, false charity contributions to Ida Jewish Academy, full-time wages for employees that were only working part-time. So the rest of their salaries were going directly to him. And the cost of Ari's leased vehicle that he had in addition to his truck. So I know that was just a lot of stuff. But now what you need to do is times everything I just said by two. Because he did that in 1998, 1999, 2000. And there were other charges made in 2001. But when he was charged, it was the beginning. It was January of 2001. So really, it was just like three years of all of these false claims were being made and then just a few in the month of January. That's pretty crazy. I
1: mean, it is. I mean, I don't know how some people do it. You know, I really don't because I would be really scared to do that.
0: Terrified. I mean, it's a criminal mindset that only criminals have. Of
1: course. I know. I'm trying to kind of put rationality to that. But I just, um, what's so crazy is like, like me, I would be like, oh my God, like I'm scamming Medicare. Like people need that.
0: Yeah, well, you have a heart. I
1: know. Uh, It's very nice of you. I know. Like you said, I don't have a criminal mind. Maybe I'm I'm glad I don't.
0: Yes, Um, me too.
1: (laughs) But uh, yeah, no, it just sucks that that's what he's doing.
0: Yeah, and I mean, everyone kind of wondered, like, how is this guy making so much money in comparison to all of these other companies that are basically providing the same service? And this is the reason why he was able to afford his expensive habit and his nice home and the building of his garage because he was filing false claims and collecting all the money. Horrible. So in all, his legal fees to fight the judgments against him amassed to around $250,000. And he ended up being personally responsible for around $600,000. He was also placed on house arrest for 12 months. Because he didn't have any, you know, priors and he was up until that point an upstanding citizen of the community and he would have to owe so much money, they decided that it was better for him to not go to prison and to be able to basically pay back this money instead.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's true, right? I mean, how can I mean, I mean, I'm sure he has assets that can be liquidated to pay back what yeah. he has stolen, right? But at the same time, I mean, to pay off $600,000 <laughs> $600, is going to take him a really long time. If, yeah. I mean, how how long is it going to take somebody? You know what I mean? Especially
0: I, when now they don't have an income. Yeah.
1: He's not. He's definitely... I mean, he probably got fired.
0: Well, it's his, it was his company.
1: Well, never mind. No, then no one's going to trust him then.
0: Right. He has to totally start something yeah. from scratch.
1: Sorry, I missed the cue on that he fired.
0: One. He fired himself. He fired himself. He's like, listen, <laughs> that didn't listen, work buddy. out for us. <laughs> <laughs> so it would be a total understatement for me to say that this placed a little bit of a strain on Denise and Ari's marriage. The couple always seemed a bit different to those who knew them. They weren't very close and they lived two completely separate lives. And it always worked because Ari kind of had his life with his hobby and that took up a lot of his time. He was either always working, obviously filing false claims, or he was working on his truck and in the weekends he would be going to these truck shows. So there was always something that Ari was doing and Denise was totally okay with that. They were essentially living two separate lives in one home and... Now, all of a sudden, this couple who had two separate lives had to come together really to, to find a way to essentially pay off what is basically a million dollars, you could say, because on top of the 600,000, there's 250,000. So that's $850,000 that they now have to pay off on the salary of Denise's adjunct professorship, which is not a lot of money.
1: Right, I mean that. Right, and now it's it falls on 60, her now 000,
0: too. Maybe $70,000 a year.
1: Right, so now it falls on her now too. Right, you know his bad decisions now has kind of leaked into her life as well. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it becomes both of their responsibilities. You know, which really sucks and for I, her.
0: And I do wonder how much Denise did know about what Ari was doing because. It doesn't seem like that was her profession at all to know about Medicare billing, but you do have to wonder where's all of this money coming from? It can't just be from from Medicare services. So I think she probably turned a blind eye to what was happening with Ari and how he was getting that money. But now it's kind of like, okay, now it's in your face. And now you have to deal with it. So you have this couple who was never really close and this is going to completely separate them. Because by the time Ari's house arrest is going to end, that 12 months later, after the judgment was put against him, they're sleeping in separate bedrooms.
1: I mean, I don't, I don't blame her. I no. Feel like, you know, I mean, like if they feel like they have this perfect life and then there's the, there's these, you know, skeletons in the closet that she doesn't know about, let's just say she didn't know about them. Right. Then, I mean, this could be a a, a big shock. A, you know, this is the person you're married to. You know what I mean? Making these awful decisions that are going to destroy their lives.
0: I would so, also feel a lot of resentment yeah. against my spouse to say, okay, now this is my mess that has but to be But that's only up.
1: if she didn't know about it. Right. If she knew about it, because this is the thing, there's two th- There's like two different types of people out there. There's the first one that would just, you know, if they're getting everything that they want and, and everything's fine, they might not even question it. Right. But then you have others like you where you would be like, well, um, I'm paying the bills. Where's all this money coming from, John? And then I would be like, oh, well, I'm not scamming Medicare at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, you know, there's two different people out there. So and then when shit hits the fan, for lack of a better term, sorry, you know, she wants no part of it so she knows about it but then when it goes bad she doesn't want to know anything about it i mean that just shows her character too
0: exactly and i think that even if she did know about it she could be mad that he got caught
1: possibly yeah
0: so after getting off of house arrest ari is going to choose to start another company a home improvement and construction business um, because he also did a lot of like Home repair and stuff like that so he figured okay let me get started with this so it's 2008 around this time Ari was talented and his business started doing well however it was just never enough even with Denise's salary because think about it they had a lot of bills to pay but they also had to pay the lawyer back and the settlement back and on top of all of that Ari still wanted to maintain his very expensive diesel truck hobby which of course is going to make matters worse with Denise because she's thinking okay how could you be so selfish where we're in this mess because of the mistakes you made whether she knew about them or not but now you want to continue this hobby like you're going to have to make sacrifices here and he just didn't seem to want to make those sacrifices
1: you know sometimes when you have people who have hobbies this extreme? Um, I feel like it becomes, it really does become their world. Yeah, and everything else, and it becomes secondary. For example, he's working and working, and then also scamming to fuel his addiction slash hobby. There's a very big difference between an addiction and a hobby. Yeah, that does ad- seem a little and, you know, unhealthy. And like, I feel like you know, a lot of people just think that when they see the word addiction, they think like drugs, alcohol, gambling. There's, you know, your hobby can become your addiction. So he's, because you got to think, right? He's being around all these people who are like, you know, so he's expected to live um, in the hobby um, at a certain level. Right, the so lifestyle. he needs to maintain that by having the, you know, the best of everything and being able to kind of show that off and do those things. And if he can't, then that becomes a problem. He'll literally just sacrifice probably just about anything just to maintain his "Quote unquote" hobby,
0: and that's what he did by right. scamming Medicare. Right, exactly. So you're right; it is kind of a dangerous addiction because he has put his own life, safety, freedom at risk in order just to maintain this. Yeah. Ugh. Well, to make things even more worse, um, 2008 also brought a financial and housing crisis. If anyone remembers. Because people had lost a lot of money and many houses were in foreclosure, it was very difficult for a home improvement business to make money. All of this, you can imagine, did nothing to improve the already icy marriage that was existing in that Lake Barrington home. And that brings us to the morning of February 23rd, 2008. Denise Squire placed a call into 911 around 8 a.m., She told dispatchers that she saw smoke coming from her garage and that she needed to hurry out of the house because there she saw flames and the smoke was coming into the house from the garage. She said they needed to send a fire truck quickly because everything is beginning to spread and first responders were able to get to the house pretty quickly and they were able to put out the flames in the garage before they fully reached the house. It seemed as if the main source of the fire was Ari's prized diesel pickup truck. The chief of the fire department and investigators from the Lake Barrington Police Department searched the scene while detectives questioned Denise Squire. She told them that the truck had been her husband's, but she was unaware of where he was. She made it clear very early on that she had a strained and very distant relationship with her husband. Her direct quote was, we never keep tabs on each other. She said when she had run out and called 911 that the last thing she was thinking of when she, while she saw the flames was um, that she wondered where Ari was. And while the detective stood with her in the driveway, she called him several times, but Ari was not answering his phone. While they were talking, the men who were searching the garage came up to them to break some horrific news to her. They had found her husband in the garage and he had passed away. It appeared that his body was under the truck when it went up in flames. The upper half of his body was so charred that he was unrecognizable and he wouldn't be able to have fingerprint testing done. The only way that They knew it was him, was that the lower half of his body was uncharred, and in his pocket they found a wallet, and his driver's license was in the wallet.
1: I mean, that's pretty bad. (laughs) That's really bad. But they could have done dental recognition as well, right?
0: No, it was so charred that it was really difficult to even do any identification Really? with the teeth. Yeah.
1: I mean, I'm not an expert, but I almost feel like that's sort of rare to not even be able to do dental.
0: Well, what really works with the dental is when you can like determine different fillings or dental work that had taken place, not necessarily the teeth themselves.
1: Okay, see what you're saying. So so, maybe, he had a, maybe he took care of his teeth and maybe he had no work done.
0: Well, no, it was just that everything was so <laughs> no, charred know. so badly. Right,
1: that's crazy. Wow.
0: So now Ari Squire has been found dead under his prized diesel pickup truck.
1: See, right now, that kind of smells a little fishy to me. Um, because it's it's what was on fire, where the fire was started. Oh yeah, I'm
0: sure that was a point of yeah. contention and, for that. And
1: then who's underneath the, the the truck? Yeah, you have to think a truck just doesn't go up in flames like that. No, and especially if you're underneath it, he was probably doing work on it. So somebody must have been med, maybe. Yeah. I'll I'll wait right now to find out.
0: There's probably a lot of people mad at at Ari Squire.
1: You know what? You're (laughs) right, though. Uh, Right away, I would think the wife. Right away, right now. But I mean, like we said in previous episodes, that's always how it is. So let's just see what transpires here.
0: Okay. Well, before we go any further, let's take a break to hear from our first sponsor of the show, Best Fiends. When you finish binging the latest riveting podcast on your list, there's always one lingering question staring you in the face. Now what? Sure, you could deep dive down the Wikipedia wormhole researching everything related to the show. I mean, who among us has not done that? But when your brain or your browser tabs are full to the brim, it might be time to take a load off. And that's when I like to clear a few levels on Best Fiends. I've been playing Best Fiends for over a year now, and it is the perfect way to de-stress for me. And I'm going to take a second to brag right here and let everyone know that I am almost at level 1000. I will report back when I get there. It helps me get my mind off of everything. It's my break from work, deep diving research, and the dishes that I probably should be doing. It also has been rewarding to grow my collection of cute little fiends and level them up. I get so excited when a new fiend pops out of one of the three crate rewards that I earn every time I pass a new level. We all love a good challenge, and Best Fiends gives you over 5,000 of them. And with this game, more levels, events, and challenges are added all the time, which means you don't have to choose between binging and boredom. In fact, you might find yourself wondering how you ever found the time for a dull moment before. You can enjoy Best Fiends today. Just download Best Fiends for free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Okay, guys, let's get back to the show. So when Denise was told the news about her husband being found dead in the garage, she did not cry, nor did she get upset. And the detective that was with her noted this, but then he also added as any good detective would, that maybe she didn't react because she was in shock. I mean, we always say that. People react to grief in so many different ways and sometimes being overly emotional just isn't one of those reactions for her. But she seemed at peace with it already, which was strange. That's the way like the detective explained it.
1: Well, that's how you know you have someone that's like a seasoned detective and then someone that's kind of new to it. Right. To kind of spot those little just those little subtle things that make that just turn the whole thing around. Yeah. Because it's one thing to not show emotion. But if you feel like 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 you just said, like it's already over, like she's at peace with it. It's gone. OK, he's dead so quick. That is a red flag.
0: Yeah, that's right. You
1: know, I am I I do admit that I am a big advocator for like when if when people are in those rooms and they are not showing like signs of emotion that it's probably due to stress shock just like in disbelief that this is yeah. what just happened so like i you know that you can't write off you know but no, uh, i know what you're saying but yeah i mean well you could write that off but you can't write the uh the whole getting over it pretty quickly right like that's weird so
0: that is strange and that was really like you said it's it's very interesting that the detective pointed that out and it does show okay this guy has unfortunately had to break this horrific news to people in the past and he did notice this little strange thing in the way she reacted right the couple had been married at that point for 14 years and to him he didn't think she knew there had been someone in the garage so he did think like okay i don't think she was lying to me about that but like her reaction was just a little strange And to the fire investigator, it looked as if Ari had been working underneath his modified diesel truck when the fire began. But what was strange was that the fire seemed to have originated from Ari himself. He was able to determine that Ari had accelerant, most likely diesel, all over him. Which is interesting here because what they're trying to determine was, is this arson or was this an accidental fire? And this is complicated because could someone have put this accelerant on Ari? Yes. But is it also possible that he had diesel on him um, because he was changing a filter at the time? So this is a hard one to determine whether or not the accelerant was put on him or accidentally was put on him. You know what I'm saying?
1: Okay. I mean, that that is a good point. But my only argument to that would be even if he was changing the oil on his truck and it got all over him, then what happened to start a fire?
0: Well, they're saying that the fire most likely started by a spark. From the position of the truck, it seemed like the truck had been jacked up and then it slipped. And when it fell, there was a possibility that a spark was created.
1: See, I I still don't believe that. I, I I don't believe that because if we were talking about gasoline, straight-up gasoline, right, then maybe. But diesel is a little different. I, I'm, I'm almost positive diesel doesn't ignite as quick as gasoline. Okay. It doesn't spread as fast as gasoline. It takes a little bit more to start a diesel fire. Yeah. Like there's a lot more involved in that.
0: Well, another possibility is this. The the hood to the truck was open and within the hood was, you know, the, like those hanging light bulbs when you do work on your car. Right. That was connected to the hood. So maybe a fire had started from there, but that's not where the fire originated. The fire originated from Ari himself and... When the detectives and the chief of the fire department checked, the power had been shut off to the garage. So this wasn't an electrical fire of any sort. The only thing they could think of if this was an accidental fire was that a spark would have been created from the falling truck.
1: Okay. Also, you know, what's kind of giving me puzzling vibes here too is listen, I've been, I've been on fire before. Not a lot. I know it's going to sound a little weird.
0: But you've been on fire?
1: I've been on fire before.
0: Oh, yeah. I do remember that. You too, remember that, case. right? Okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> short story, really quickly. I was cutting with a chop saw, and the person that used it before me, when they poured the gasoline oil mixture into the chop saw, they, it leaked out on them. So instead of being a, a responsible human being, they did not clean it properly, and they filled it too high. And then put the cap on, it leaked out, and it was all over the bottom of the chop saw. When I inspected it, it didn't look like there was anything wrong. I turned it on. I start chopping with the bl- with the blade and all of a sudden a spark came up from cutting metal, hit my leg and my whole leg went up in fire.
0: See, so it's possible.
1: But that's cuz it's gasoline. Okay. Now I now remember. You're on fire, it hurts.
0: This was you, the most angry phone call I've ever you received. Will, I was on fire.
1: <laughs> I stopped, dropped and rolled so fast. <laughs> That you have no idea, like so. It's to me. So now, what I'm trying to get at here with this stupid story? about me. No, doing that's fire. really
0: actually the only time I've ever heard of someone actually using what they learned in fire safety class in like first grade.
1: Well, there you go. Well, I I did. Mm, it was the first job. thing I thought of.
0: Stop, drop, and roll. Stop,
1: drop, and roll. Actually, I tried to pat it first. Okay, but then it didn't work. So then I had to stop, drop, and roll. It went all the way up my leg, almost, almost well to my knee.
0: That's crazy. But
1: anyway, I had no pants from from the foot to the knee. Yeah, we had to throw those pants out. Um, But anyway, um, what I'm getting at here is if he was on fire, he still would have time to react, to try to move. Like, to stop, drop, and roll, to move.
0: Maybe he, well, if the truck would have fallen on him, then he wouldn't have been able to.
1: If the truck fell on him, then then, then it's a totally different crime scene. Yeah. But if he was just on fire underneath the truck while the truck was still on a lift... You gotta. You can't tell me he's just gonna stay there and burn to death. He's gonna move.
0: Well, I mean, it, it is kind of like if all of a sudden the top half of your body just completely ignited. I mean, I would be shocked, and I might not be thinking clearly. No.
1: It's a react... It's a... I feel like that's a... That is a reaction. It's like a fight or flight response.
0: I do like what you're bringing to the podcast today. You're your being on fire experience.
1: I'm just saying. I've and,
0: never been on fire.
1: I mean, I'm telling you. It is an experience. Once you feel that burn, you're moving. So even if okay. he only had a few seconds to react before... Because think about it.
0: He would have tried to pull himself out from
1: under. That's my point. There would have been a sign of a struggle of him moving out of... Like from either underneath it or something. Okay. Because remember burn victims they don't die from burning to death they actually die from the inhalation of smoke yeah so he you have time to react to try to move true to, to try to move from underneath the truck if he you know if he did get out he would try to roll around something there
0: could there have been a possibility that if the truck fell on him that he might have been knocked out and then the fire started
1: that's a possibility
0: Because that would explain there not being a struggle.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to write anything off. Oh no, I'm just playing like yeah, no devil's advocate. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if he got knocked out, sure. But if the truck was, if it was a lift, if it was a lifted truck, it's not falling on on you.
0: You're right. It wouldn't. And it was a lifted truck. It was a
1: lifted truck. I know these people. They're awesome people. They lift their trucks up. So we're talking, um, you know, not a couple inches. We're talking about a couple feet. So if it fell off of a lift. It's gonna just bounce. It's gonna be a hard. It's gonna be a hard bounce. But there's no way those, you know, that truck's coming down to him underneath it. No
0: right.
1: way. The people that do that to those diesel trucks, it's lifted at, at least a couple of feet, at least. Right. If he's competing, minimum, if he's competing minimum. like that. Yeah. Minimum. Huh. So you got to think, it's gonna come crashing down off the lift. Let's just say. Right. And there has to be evidence that it did fall off the lift. I'm saying there would have to be evidence of that.
0: There is evidence of that, but but, I mean, the question is, did it fall first before the fire or did it fall because of the fire afterwards?
1: But still, regardless, it wouldn't have crushed him or knocked him out because it's not gonna... He has clearance. There's clearance there.
0: You're right. The clearance would have protected him.
1: The clearance from underneath the truck would have saved him.
0: Yeah. Interesting. And that's why they were having such a hard time determining, okay... Is this an accident? Was this arson? Did some Or is this homicide?
1: There's a lot involved there.
0: Yeah, this is an interesting it also, scene. You know
1: what? Check this out, actually. Just one more thing to add to this. It also depends in what direction he was facing underneath the truck. What I mean by that is, was his legs facing the rear? Yeah. And then his head was under the engine? Correct. Okay. So then maybe, maybe what you said could be true. Remember, an engine sits in there. It's, it sits a little lower than everything else. All right. So if he was changing something, it came off the lift. It's, you know, the headers could have knocked him out. You know, the, 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 um the, like
0: if he was slow, if he was lifted, like say he was reaching up because he was working on the filter and it fell on him then. Like if he was elevated a little bit and then the engine hit him, like that is a possibility. Also, he's even on if the trucks lifted, Right.
1: And the truck is lifted. So it's a possibility he was standing up underneath it. Instead of laying down.
0: Oh yes, because I'm cause, thinking a car like right. what is that what little like thinking. pulley thing that from like gym class when you'd play that like game. No, like, that's what I'm. You got to
1: try to rethink. All four wheels are lifted by a lift up in the air. So he's probably, so he's probably got about a six seven foot clearance probably because it's he, a tall garage. So he
0: might be like leaning. like
1: He's probably standing up.
0: Yeah, or like crouching.
1: Or crouching, most likely standing up though
0: interesting
1: see so when you start adding these little things the crime scene becomes a little bit more complicated complicated
0: because we don't know what his yeah. position was before the fall yeah hmm
1: sorry to go off on that crazy tangent no class. it was good yeah we
0: have to We it, that's what we're doing here that is what we're doing it's a true crime podcast trying to
1: add something to the conversation
0: you're so good okay John doesn't like bad reviews. He gets very (laughs) upset about them. I'm the only one that takes it to heart, but. No, I do too. I do too. I cry about it. Um, Like everything else. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Denise had a memorial dinner for Ari, and this is uh, two days after his death accidental or on purpose. Hundreds were in attendance, and she was very much in mourning that day as were all of Ari's family and friends. The police were also in attendance, as was the local sheriff's department, as they had taken over the investigation because, of course, they just had more resources than the local police department. They pulled Denise aside to ask her some questions. The accident seemed strange to them. All of Ari's friends told investigators that he was known for using safety when working on his truck. It appeared that he had taken off the truck's front tires in what looked like a routine fuel filter change. So that actually kind of takes away what we were talking about. Right. It doesn't matter if the truck's lifted if the tires were off because if that's going to fall on him, that's going to just be a complete fall. Right. The whole body of the truck.
1: But once again, if this guy's super safe, you don't think he's going to double check when the truck's up on a lift?
0: Well, and that's what his friends were saying, that the way the truck was situated in the garage, he hadn't used jack stands to stabilize the truck if the three-ton jack were to have slipped. And they said that Ari was like a complete safety freak and that he would have never not used the jack stands to stabilize the truck. Because you have to think about it. If your truck's going to fall, it's going to be super friggin' expensive, even if like putting away whether or not you get her decide he's not going to want to lose that money you want to protect your assets here so Ari's friend said that this was a careless mistake that the man just would not have made also it could not be proven whether or not the an electrical fire could have been started by the hanging light bulb because the power was cut off so in no way was this electrical And the police just wanted to ask Denise about this. What's her reaction to he didn't follow safety protocol and the power was shut off to the garage? Like, is that even normal? So they had a lot of questions for her. And she explained her story again. Denise said that she had been out with friends at the Olive Garden until 11 p.m., Wild night at the Olive Garden. Listen,
1: she's getting that, you know, um, endless breadsticks, breadsticks, man. Come on. That's the only good thing about Olive Garden that I like. And soup.
0: The soup's good. Soup's good. I always get sick when I eat in an Olive Garden. So do
1: I. Like food poisoning sick. It's so heavy. It's happened to me like three times at Olive Garden. That's not just a coincidence.
0: That's why we haven't put back.
1: That's that's why we won't go back. I
0: decided once I stepped into John's life, it's enough food poisoning. (laughs) Stop going. Three times. That in Arby's always makes me oh I yeah, can't even here. think about Arby's. Yeah,
1: we shouldn't be you know hurting brands here, but
0: no, oh, no, yeah, I apologize. If it's
1: just you know,
0: if you want to sponsor us, we love you. Well, I yeah, mean,
1: I, I, you know, I I just <laughs> I just can't eat your food, but you know, nothing against you guys.
0: Um, so. She was there till 11 p.m. and she had no clue what her husband did in the morning because, like we said before, the two of them didn't even share a bedroom. So she couldn't, that's why she couldn't tell them, I don't know if Ari's up or where he went because we don't even share, I don't, I don't know. So this is when the investigators found an opening. We noticed, he said, as we were searching the house when Ari's body was found, that we couldn't find a picture of the two of you together anywhere in the house. And then they asked her if there were problems in the marriage. Denise denied that there had been any problems. And she asked if she could return to the memorial, which they allowed her to do. They did want to continue being respectful to her. But the investigators knew something was off because before they got to the memorial they had just returned from the funeral parlor that was to hold Ari's service the following day and it was there that they were informed that Denise was very adamant about cremating Ari's body as quickly as possible and this made them think back to the day that Ari's body was found When within the first few hours of the investigation, Denise kept asking police if they needed her any longer or if there were any forms that she needed to fill out for them in regards to her husband's death and whether or not she could have a copy of them. The investigators, of course, found this all to be a little more than just a coincidence. And since Denise was clear that she had no idea what her husband was supposed to be up to that day, they want to talk to people who might know Ari's business associates. So at this point, Denise is acting really suspicious. Like in the public, it seems like she's playing the mournful widow, but in the background, they're noticing very strange behavior from her. So
1: once again, that's red. Those are red flags. Yes,
0: red flags. So Ari's business associates are going to tell the investigators that he actually had a meeting set up with employees from the Home Depot that he always bought his materials from for the jobs that they did, you know, that the construction company worked. Right. Um, He said that Ari would oftentimes hire knowledgeable workers to help them with side projects. And the reason they would do that was because, It would sometimes be cheaper to hire these people. During the financial crisis of 2008, like we said, people aren't really working. So many people who had specialized fields like carpenters or um, electricians, maybe painters, they were trying to look for work at places like Home Depot, Lowe's, maybe a hardware store, just because they needed something to do to, to maintain some income during this crisis. So that's what Ari would do. He would look for workers at Home Depot that had a deep knowledge in whatever project he was doing and then hire them for the job at like $15 an hour, which was really good because that was double what they were making at Home Depot. Right. Um, so... They knew that he had two interviews lined up that day. One was with Justin Newman, and the other was with Sandy Lively.
1: Also, I think it's pretty smart that he does that, because think about it. These people, some of them, if they have a, a very specific um, trade, most likely they have a license. I mean, you can't do electrician ele- electrical work, be an electrician, without... A license to do that, so like it's actually great. You, this guy's doing it at like fifteen dollars. Uh, give them fifteen dollars an hour. Who have licenses who can charge way more than that if they were doing that on their own. So he's he's making out good. That's another way for him to save money as well.
0: It is another way for him to save money, and that's when he gets the projects. I mean, they're few and far between at this point because if people are losing their homes, it's it's rare that someone's going to want to do a home right. improvement project or build
1: a house or anything like that. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So when the investigators first wanted to look into the two men, they put their names in the system. Their names were not in the police databases whatsoever, so they looked them up, and Sandy Lively, of course, was registered as an employee at Home Depot, but when they put in Justin Newman's name, something did pop up. He was missing. He was reported missing by his mother.
1: No, that's strange. Yeah. So he's missing. You have his boss dead.
0: Well, his potential boss. Well, potential boss. Think about it. He interviewed two guys. Could could it have been Denise or could he have given Sandy Lively the job and then told Justin Newman, I don't have work for you. And then in a fit of rage, was there a murder?
1: It's possible. But did he know where he lived? You know?
0: Well, they were supposed to meet at the garage. That's where he was holding the meetings with these two guys. I'm sorry. Okay, so um, maybe. Maybe. Interesting, right? The plot thickens. It does. Well, the first thing the investigators did was they put a halt on the cremation of Ari's remains. They felt like there could be answers there. But at the time, it seemed that Ari's sister had stepped in with Denise and was telling her to stop talking to the police. So they focused on the two most puzzling questions. What really happened to Ari and where was Justin Newman? The best place to go to for these answers was the location that the two men had in common, Home Depot. And when they got to Home Depot, who was the person they wanted to talk to first? The guy who had the other interview with Ari that day, Sandy Lively.
1: And I'm sure he's not missing.
0: Nope. Sandy Lively (laughs) is right there working in Home Depot when they go to visit. Sandy Lively said that for a really long time, he had been helping out Ari Squire and, you know, just helping giving him advice with things. And Ari really kind of was like actively seeking Sandy Lively to work with him. Sandy Lively said he didn't know Justin Newman too much, but from what he'd been told at work, that he was... A wonderful young kid. He was an eager twenty-year-old who was kind of always up for making extra money on the side, and he was really talented. He even had his set of his own tools, and he was a fierce competitor, because at the time, a lot of people that were working at Home Depot were kind of looking to get involved in side jobs with customers, and Newman was always willing to go the extra mile, whether that meant working really late into the night or showing up at the crack of dawn he was always there to kind of make that money for himself he was a hustler when it came to that and he was really skilled so he had the skills to back up
1: yeah especially during ambition yeah especially during a uh you know a bad economy too right i mean you kind of have to hustle
0: right and at the time the investigators questioned Sandy Lively Newman at that point had been reported missing for just over three days. It had a little bit of a weird caveat here. Like after two and a half days of being missing, Justin Newman's mother is going to say that she received a text message from her son's phone number that he had found a job in Missouri and that he was going to go work there. But his mother said this was very strange, that if he had a job in Missouri, he would have told her about it, and he, he wouldn't have texted her so short. The two had a very close relationship. So he would have sent a lot more detail in his message right, to his mother.
1: Than a, a sentence. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. And according to Sandy Lively, I mean, this is hearsay, but um, the employee's at Home Depot that were close to Justin Newman said that they had never heard that he had a job lined up in Missouri at all so the disappearance is quite strange
1: and that is that is odd cuz now you're now you got, now your brain's going okay someone has his phone to to send out a text message like that
0: oh yeah it's very strange so lively himself was a carpenter by trade but worked at Home Depot on the side he revealed that Ari was always in the store And he would always talk to the workers for a long time. But within the past six months, he seemed like whenever Ari would go into the Home Depot, which was at least four times a week, that's pretty excessive, he would always be looking for Lively. And when Lively wasn't talking to Ari directly, he would always catch the man staring at him while he was working kind of like a stalker situation yeah between ari and, and sandy lively he said that he never thought anything of it that maybe ari was trying to get his attention so he could start talking to him but that's a very weird dynamic now between ari and sandy lively
1: yeah it is yeah that is i mean it doesn't really you know i feel like you don't find that either right like that kind of situation at work and like i don't know
0: Well, I feel like when you work in customer service, I'm sure that you're dealing with a lot of probably strange customers, especially someone who comes in four times a week. I mean, that's someone you're dealing with all of the time. So I'm sure everyone who works in the customer service field knows they have strange regulars that come in and maybe they're people who are lonely or maybe want some extra attention. But he seems to be paying a lot of attention to Sandy Lively And it seems like Lively's trying to brush it off, but it does seem like a very weird dynamic here.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. I just, I just don't know why. (laughs) Well. That's weird.
0: We will find out. All right. Okay. Let's take a break to hear from our next sponsor of the show, Green Chef. Green Chef is a USDA certified organic company that makes eating well easy and affordable with plans to fit every kind of lifestyle. So how does it work? Green Chef lets you choose from a wide array of easy-to-follow recipes, perfect for keto, paleo, and plant-based diets, or even if you just want to eat healthier. Recipes are quick and easy with step-by-step instructions, chef tips, and photos to guide you along. Everything is hand-picked, featuring organic veggies and high-quality proteins, delivered to your door, contact-free. Ingredients come pre-measured, perfectly portioned, and mostly prepared. It makes staying healthier and on track easier than ever with satisfying home-cooked meals. And with Green Chef's wide variety of high-quality clean ingredients, you can feel great about what you're eating and how it got to your table. And that's because Green Chef is the most sustainable meal kit offsetting 100% of its direct carbon emissions and plastic packaging in every single box. John and I love receiving the meals on our doorstep each week. It allows us with our busy schedule to skip the grocery shopping and best of all, it helps us save money. There is a diverse array of meal plans and options, so we're always happy with the meals we get. We've been focusing on a plant-based diet because it has been proven to lower the risk of high blood pressure, diabetes, and heart disease. And Green Chef makes that a possibility for us in the most delicious way possible. Plus, making the meals together is always like a fun mini date night for us both. Green Chef is also owned by HelloFresh, so we really enjoy switching back and forth between the brands. It gives us an even wider variety of amazing meals with fresh ingredients and superb convenience. Green Chef has a deal for TCC listeners. Go to greenchef.com slash TCC80 and use code TCC80 to to get $80 off, including free shipping. Go to greenchef.com TCC80 and use code TCC80 to get $80 off, including free shipping. Enjoy, guys. All right, so now let's get back to the show. So about two weeks before Ari died in the fire, he approached Sandy Lively about working for him full time. He told the carpenter that he had a lot of work coming up and that he wanted him to help. He offered him a salary of $60,000, double what he was making at Home Depot and even promised Lively that if there was no more work, he would still get paid. So basically, he was going to work on a salary basis, like you're going to get $60,000 whether you're working or not.
1: I mean, that's really good, right? Yeah. You don't want to pass that up.
0: And I think that's one thing that people that work in the trades feel. I mean, I I know you can agree because you do the same thing where you do worry if work's not there, am I going to get paid? So having the promise of being guaranteed money is rare. In the trade fields. So this is something that must have been super appealing to Sandy Lively, especially because he was married with children.
1: Yeah. And, you know, people need to eat, you know, so I mean, they have to work.
0: Right. So this was a really good offer for 2008. And of course, Lively is going to graciously take that offer. However, when Ari gave him the application, Lively was a little put off by the questions that he was being asked. And some of the more bizarre job application questions were, what's the color of your eyes? Do you have tattoos? If so, where are they and what do they depict? Do you have piercings? What is your ATM pin number? And what's your uniform size? I mean, that's all really, really weird.
1: Well, well, I would want to know why I need my four-digit pin to my ATM.
0: I mean, I think that's the most bizarre question because that's really weird.
1: Well, I, I mean, I would... I would Unless be...
0: you're trying to steal money from my bank account, why would you need that? Also,
1: I mean, I would have been turned off by the first question. Like, you want to know the color of my eyes? Why? Okay, you have any tattoos? Yeah, why?
0: I would... You know, like, they're all... Well, very... <laughs> I would just think, like, don't you know the color of my eyes? Like, I mean, you come you, to, yeah. you come into Home Depot four times a week. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know.
1: That's weird, though. And
0: you stare at me working.
1: Yeah, it's, the tattoo
0: thing is weird too. Like, yeah. where are they? And w- sometimes jobs, I guess, could ask that question. Like, if he wants his people to look professional on the job site, but like, what are they? And like,
1: and what do they represent?
0: Yeah, like, that's a little it, strange. It is.
1: And then, do you have any piercings? Yeah. I don't think jobs real. I mean, like, okay, unless it's like an office setting or if you're like a, a teacher or something, maybe you can't have certain tattoos or certain piercings. No, but like, but like I
0: work with people who have piercings and tattoos, so it's, I, it's, it's just weird. Yeah, it is weird. So after being given the application, Lively was completely turned off for a bit by the job, and he told Ari that he would have to think about it. Now to convince him, Ari tried to set up several meetings with him and twice Lively canceled on Ari. But he told the detectives that he was actually supposed to meet Ari at his house the day of the fire at 6 a.m. for the final interview because Lively was kind of thinking like, okay, this guy is super weird, but this is a guaranteed $60,000. I kind of want to do this for my family so he was planning on going there but he wasn't the biggest fan of Ari however he overslept he was actually woken up by a phone call that he thought was going to be Ari screaming at him for missing the meeting because in the past when lively had missed a meeting, like he'd missed two meetings before this Ari called him yelling like do you even really want this and lively was like, No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'll be at your house at six AM on February
1: twenty fourth. I mean I mean in a way, I mean you got you gotta be responsible and show up to meetings. Yes, I would say you, you know know do I mean? have to. Come on.
0: <laughs> yeah, but based on the fact that the people that did show up to the meetings, one's dead and one's missing, it's probably good that he missed this meeting.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're right.
0: Yeah. So instead of it being Ari who was calling him, it was one of his friends letting him know that Ari had been found dead. So this is just really strange news, right? Because like I said, the detectives are thinking, okay, three people were supposed to meet this morning. One's dead, one's missing, and one didn't show up. So what the hell happened in this garage? Yeah. Yeah. When they asked if Lively knew that Justin Newman had been talking to Ari, he told them that he didn't know that Justin Newman was supposed to be there that day, and he also didn't know that Ari was trying to recruit other people. So now that more was being revealed, it was clear that the key to their investigation might be finding Justin Newman. So the detectives reached out again to Newman's mother, Donna. She told them that there was no way that her son was involved in the murder of Ari Squire. He was sweet and gentle, and he would have been grateful for an opportunity and wouldn't want to burn bridges. So he would never get angry if, for example, Ari said to him, oh, I want to give the job to Sandy Lively. All of those that knew Donna and her son said that the two of them had a really close relationship and he would have told her what was going on. He would have called me, she insisted, instead of just sending a short text message saying 60 hours after she reported him missing that he had a job in Missouri lined up. Like that is not the way things would have went. She said the text was strange, short and very unlike her son. And she feared that something bad had happened to him as well as it did to Ari. So like for example, did Ari owe someone money? Was he trying to get money from somewhere else to try and pay for his hobby or pay back his debts and maybe Justin Newman walked in on this happening, saw something terrible go down and he's on the run.
1: That's that is a possibility. I mean, you would too. I think any Oh yeah. right? I mean, you would want to get out of there as fast as you could.
0: So there's so many possibilities right now that the detectives their heads are spinning at this point and this is where the case is going to make a complete left turn the coroner got in touch with the detectives and stated that there were some concerning findings that he needed to discuss with them are you ready for this i'm ready First, he told them that he was concerned about the identification because the entire top half of the body was intensely charred, including the fingertips. Usually, in this case, they identify the victim using dental records. However, there were issues with Ari's dental office and the misplacement or loss of patient information. But what troubled him was that when he looked at the teeth, that had been extracted in the parts of the body that were not badly burned, he was surprised. The victim, who was 39 years old, almost about to be 40, seemed to have teeth, lower body, and organs, as well as bones, that seemed to belong to someone who was a lot younger. A separate forensic dentist confirmed that as well. So like everything in the person's body seemed younger than 39 is it a possibility that ari just kept himself well could be but teeth is kind of hard not to age
1: uh, i don't know i mean yeah you can secure your your body but like your bones aren't gonna lie your your teeth right, aren't right. gonna lie you can't you know that's just nature's process of, of just age you can't re- reverse that Right. You can just be as healthy as you can for the age that you are.
0: Take as many calcium chews as you want. Exactly. It's as many, many vitamin C
1: chews, you know.
0: <laughs> so this was really strange. But before they could look further into this, a new revelation in the case came from a call that was placed in Eureka, Missouri. There had been a hit on Justin Newman. An officer had been on patrol when they noticed a vehicle with plates from Illinois parked in a hotel. The plates were askew, so he chose to run them through the system. It seemed that they were linked to an endangered missing persons case, as the car was registered to Justin Newman's brother and was the car that he had last been driving. The officer checked with the office and confirmed with the manager that the owner of the vehicle was staying in room 133 and had given the name Justin Newman. The Eureka Police Department asked the Lake County Sheriff's Department what they wanted them to do. The message was clear. Bring Justin Newman in. They had a lot of questions. It was then that another call was placed to the detectives. It was one of Ari Squire's business partners. He said that he was feeling very guilty and needed to get something off of his chest. He confessed that a while ago, he had been on a business trip with Ari. He was really stressed out about all of the money that he still had to pay back. And he said, wouldn't it be great to find a dead body someplace and then burn it up and start my life over with that identity?
1: oh man oh man
0: so is that what happened did justin walk in on something and he gets scared and run away maybe it wasn't ari being attacked maybe it was ari attacking someone else or maybe it was ari burning a dead body
1: yeah and then that would just be like you know oh my god i witnessed this maybe he's coming after me and he ran it's a possibility
0: well either way the detectives needed to talk to him So they sent photos to the Eureka Police Department of both Ari and Justin Newman because they were so unsure of what was taking place. They had the manager of the hotel accompany them with the card to get into the room. The two officers pounded on the door and demanded that they be let in, that they were looking for Justin Newman. But there was no answer. They then prompted the manager to open the door for them. She did, and then was instructed to quickly get out of the way. The officers tried to open the door, however they were unable to gain entry because the chain guard was still on. They were about to kick in the door when they heard a gunshot go off. They followed protocol and evacuated the hotel. Once everyone was a safe distance away, they kicked open the door. They had their guns out because they didn't know what was waiting for them on the other side. The first thing they saw was a man on the floor. He clearly had a gunshot wound in his head. They searched the room to make sure he was the only person there. He was. They checked the man's wallet and and they found both a credit card and a driver's license that both said Justin Newman. While the officers waited for the crime scene investigators to get to the hotel room, they searched their surroundings. In the room, they found boxes of blue tinted contacts lenses and brown men's hair coloring. This struck them as being very strange. They checked the physical identifiers for Justin Newman that they had just been given by the Lake County Sheriff's Department. And it was odd. It stated that Justin Newman was 20 years old and that he had one tattoo. However, the man in front of them was older, with thinning hair, and he had two tattoos. So they took a look at the photos that they had been given. And it was clear that the man lying on the ground in front of them Was not Justin Newman. It was Ari Squire.
1: Oh my god. That is why he asked all those really, really weird questions. Yep. Because he was trying to be him.
0: Sandy Lively. Yeah. Yes. But Sandy Lively didn't show up that day.
1: Oh my god. Oh my god, that's that's weird. But that would be motive. That would be motive for him to do these things. Yeah. Because he owes so much money. He needs he doesn't want to, you know, deal with this anymore. No. And he wants to start over. I mean, you know, for someone like this, what better way to do that? You know? Yeah. Oh my god, that's weird. That's actually super creepy.
0: Yeah, it's so bizarre.
1: So I think it's I mean, so he must have killed him.
0: All right, I'll continue with the case.
1: Yeah, please do. This is <laughs> crazy. Okay.
0: So this led to much confusion. DNA samples were requested from Justin Newman's family so they could determine whether or not the body that was found in the Squire's garage was in fact his. And nine days after the first time they told Denise Squire that she was a widow, the detectives had to head back to her house and tell her all over again that she was. But this time, it was without the sympathies they first had. They informed her that her husband had not been killed that morning in their garage, but that he had just committed suicide in Eureka. They did not know exactly what was happening, but they were going to be seizing all of their computers and paperwork in their house to try and figure out just what was going on.
1: This, uh, wow. This is good. I'm, uh, I really thought it was just the wife, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and then at one point I thought maybe, oh, okay, it's one of the guys that they're hiring. Right. That did it. But just to find out that that's not even his body.
0: (laughs) That's not not even his body. (laughs) He's not even there. (laughs) Okay. Okay, let's take a break to hear from our final sponsor of the show, Simply Safe. Everyone wants to keep their home and family safe. Whether it's from a break in, a fire, flooding, or medical emergency. Simply Safe Home Security delivers award winning 24 7 protection. With Simply Safe, you don't just get an arsenal of cameras, sensors, you get the best professional monitors in the business. They've got your back day and night, ready to send police, fire, or EMTs when you need them most straight to your door. Since we have installed Simply Safe in our new home, we've slept and left for work so much easier than we did before we had it. We have the confidence that we and our property are protected by the high quality equipment Simply Safe has to offer. And to top it all off, setup was incredibly easy. We were able to do it ourselves with no problem. It's so easy that you can set it up yourself in about 30 minutes. Then Simply Safe's professionals take it all over after that. Monitoring your home 24/7 and they're ready to send help at the moment there's an alarm. Plus with Simply Safe, there's no long-term contract, no hidden fees or installation costs. Right now, our listeners get a free home security camera when you purchase a Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com/couple you can get a 60-day risk-free trial, so there's really nothing to lose. Visit simplysafe.com/couple for your free security camera today. Again, that's simplysafe.com/couple. Okay, let's get back to the show. So, when this is all told to Denise that they're going to be taking her cam- her computer and all of her paperwork away, that she breaks down and tells investigators that she knew Ari had been alive.
1: Uh, okay. Okay. So, yeah. So, she knew. Wow. Okay.
0: That's why she wasn't so shocked.
1: You're right. You know what? There was a, a, t- a tad well, actually, of truth Well, actually, hold on.
0: I'll take that. I take that back. I take that back. She had been communicating with Ari via email since the day after the fire. So maybe that initial whatever feelings reaction was because she truly was just didn't care about Ari anymore. But the day after the fire, he contacted her via email.
1: So she, so what you're t- trying to tell me here is that she didn't know his plan to do what he did.
0: We don't know 100% how much she knew or when she knew it. The only thing that we have physical evidence of is that a day after the fire, they were in communication. So definitively that's the only thing that can be proven.
1: My whole thing is this though if she didn't uh, and I get what you're saying I'm just I'm just trying to just add something to this if if you know that you're done with your par- person that you're with your partner and all these weird things are going down and then you find out that you know he can't, you know that, that he's dead in the garage then he contacts you a day after that wouldn't prompt you to tell investigators that.
0: Well, she said she hadn't told them earlier because she was afraid of getting in trouble. And she tried to at first say that the communication seemed automated. But when the emails were found, these were totally not automated. Ari wrote, did an accident happen? And Denise answered, yes. And then he said, when will my ashes be returned to you? And then she replied, body has not been released. Then he asked a final question to her. Is there anything you need? And she wrote a new life. Hmm. So I think this was uh, understood. I think she understood what was taking place. And why would Denise be helping Ari since she hated him? Right. Right. Or she should at this point. Well, there's six million reasons why she would be helping him. The Squires had a few insurance policies. And the way it worked is that they had $4 million coming to them personally. One million would go to another business partner and another million would go to Ari's sister, the sister who told Denise to stop talking to police.
1: Okay, so all these people were involved. They were all being paid off pretty much.
0: Well, let me keep going. Okay. I don't want to give anything away. Okay. Sorry. So it seemed like all the clues were kind of culminating here. Ari talked of killing someone and taking their life over. He was in financial debt. He had been obsessed with getting Sandy Lively to come work for him. And when you see Ari, Squire, and Sandy Lively, like the picture of the two men, they look exactly alike. Okay. And Ari, over time, started making himself look a little bit more like Sandy Lively, cutting his beard the same way.
1: Oh, my God. That is so creepy to me. I, I just can't get over that. I mean, the That's plot. why he
0: would always be watching him at Home Depot.
1: That's so strange.
0: However, Sandy missed the morning appointment in the garage, but Justin Newman, always eager to work, had not. So sad. And that's why he was using blue contacts and was dyeing his hair to make himself look like Justin Newman. It also explains why when they had asked Ari's sister and Denise about how many tattoos Ari had, they got flustered and both women didn't know what to say because they didn't know how many tattoos Justin Newman had. They knew how many tattoos Sandy Lively had.
1: Wow. I mean, everyone, there's so many people involved in this on his side. Yeah. Oh my God.
0: Well, unfortunately when Justin Newman showed up for his side job at Ari's house, he had been subdued with chloroform. Ari exchanged clothes with the boy and set the scene for the fire. Justin's family was devastated when they heard the news. He had been a wonderful, well-rounded and kind boy who would have been an extraordinary man if given the chance. However, his life had been cut short by a man who had destroyed his own life and was looking for a way to escape it. That's just really sad. And the fact that Denise was working so hard to get that body cremated, thank God the police put a stop to that because then Justin Newman's body would have been cremated and his family would have never had the choice as to what, you know, to fulfill his wishes, whatever they, they would have been. And they wouldn't have been able to even have a funeral or a wake for him.
1: I mean, that's really tragic. So disgusting. It is. It is.
0: The $4 million policy was a nine-year-old policy. And the reason Ari was in such a rush to complete his scheme was because the policy's premium had just recently jumped from being $2,500 a year to $12,000 a year. So it seemed like Ari, when he first originally told his business partner about this thing, um, that was a year prior to the murder and suicide. And I think that he had been planning it since then, but from what he was doing to Sandy Lively and the way he was kind of like mimicking him and trying to find out things about his life... I don't think this is something that Ari wanted to necessarily do so quickly, but because the policy's um, premium went up so high, he had to do it because he and Denise didn't have twelve thousand dollars a year to pay this policy. So in order to get the four million, they had to rush, and that's why I think he rushed and just said, "Okay, I'm just going to use Justin Newman's body."
1: That's sick. That is so sick. I'm sorry.
0: So that's the, like, that was the catalyst to make this happen so quickly. Yeah. So Denise's true role in her husband's crime is unknown. The Lake County Sheriff's Department did not pursue any charges against her. She had taken and passed several lie detector tests regarding her involvement. But Denise did get the $4 million life insurance policy.
1: No, she didn't.
0: Yes, she did. I know what you're thinking, he committed suicide. So how could she collect on a life insurance policy? Well, most policies, including this one, have a suicide clause, but the suicide clause only lasts for the first two years of the policy. Ari Squire had killed himself nine years after filing, so the money was granted to Denise. However, the additional $2 million in other policies was denied. She also put in a claim with her insurance policy for the garage, and that was granted. So she was given $14,000 to replace the garage. Although there is nothing linking Denise to the crime, Justin Newman's family, especially his mother, have been very, very vocal about her role. They believe because she never fully answered questions during the grand jury hearing, which she wasn't indicted on, And the fact that she's never spoken about the crimes that she must know something or was involved. At the very least, she didn't tell detectives about her husband emailing her. And she was trying to rush the cremation.
1: Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, there's I mean, that's enough right there. I feel to have some sort of involvement. I mean, you would think that would like that would make them maybe go charge her with something. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, They
0: couldn't. She didn't get indicted by a grand jury. That's crazy. But Justin Newman's family sued Denise Squire for the wrongful death of their son. For $4 million. And, yeah. they and they won. And they won. And they won.
1: That's that's good.
0: Yes. So that went to the Newman family. To tie up loose ends, the business partner was found to have no connection or knowledge of what Ari planned to do besides Ari revealing that oh wouldn't that be cool if I did that plan but he did call police and tell them. Okay. So and and Ari did not contact the business partner. So I think what was happening that his sister was involved and it, the plan was for her to funnel money to her brother.
1: Right, like she like and he's he's known for doing that. Yeah. with his uh Companies that were opened up in other, other people's names in his family. Right. So this is nothing new.
0: No. But of course, even though it was found or it couldn't be found that Denise or, or his sister was involved in the crime, that might be the case. But the court of public opinion is totally against them and believes they clearly had some involvement they had to have. And, you know, as for Sandy Lively, he's just happy to be alive for his wife and children but he does suffer from survivor's guilt,
1: yeah, i mean how 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 could you not right, yeah, you know that, that sucks,
0: and he feels terrible that Justin Newman's life had been taken, yeah, so, and it's really sad that it is because this man screwed up his life royally, he destroyed an entire family and took someone's life, yeah. What an animal.
1: He is. He is. And this is really just, you know, this whole thing is fueled really by his just, I want to say addiction to like the things that he likes and the thing, the, the, the. His
0: addiction to himself. Right. His selfishness. It's
1: all the wants in the world. There's no, you know, you know what I mean? Like it's all the things he wants, you know, he has everything he needs, but because of his greed, because of his just self-consuming personality. Right. He's taking everybody down with him.
0: Yeah. It's terrible. It's so sad. Well, before we say goodbye to you guys, what we want to do is we want to thank our Patreon supporters, all of our patrons. We appreciate you so much. And we just wanted to give everyone a shout out and say thank you to our most recent patrons. So first up is Anna C. Brooks, who donated and then upped her pledge to $5. Jennifer Hainer. Brittany Smith, Erie Ava, Henry Perry, Billy Shay, Haley Allen, Joy Lewis, Katie Graham, Eva Beattie Olson, Joan Levance, Daniel Hurtado, Megan Flynn, Raquel Royapol, Blakely Brugman up their pledge to $5. So thank you so much, Blakely. Shay, Monique, Ben Strider, Natasha. Kristen, Rue Rodriguez, Kaylin DeSantos, Katie, Shelley Wright, Rebecca Mitchell, Brandy Garza, Amanda Kennedy upped her pledge. Thanks, Amanda. Poppy Gale, Lauren Pfeiffer. Thank you guys so much for becoming new patrons and we hope you're enjoying all of those episodes that you get to binge on. And if you want to join Patreon, you could do that at patreon.com slash truecrimecouple.